Welcome to the Lisa Wexler Show podcast. Think of it like a magazine or a box of chocolates. You never know what you'll get. From politics to pop culture, healthcare to legal issues, it's all here. And my behind-the-wheel chats are personal observations created especially for you on podcast only. Enjoy. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well... HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. I'm on my way to see Jimmy Webb. And even though it's a Thursday night, I am doing this because I want to see Jimmy Webb. I think he's one of the greatest songwriters of the 20th century. He certainly has given me countless hours of listening pleasure. And his Glenn Campbell collaboration was, I think, one of just the most remarkable ones in American popular music. And I think the category even transcends country, pop. What is it? It's like any really good music. It doesn't really have a category of its own. So you're talking Wichita Lyman. What's Wichita Lyman? Is that a country song? I don't think so. Is that a pop song? What is that? It's a great song. By the time I get to Phoenix, another one, great song. Just great songs. And they came out of this mind and brain and talent of this man when he was relatively young, probably in his 20s. So I had a chance to interview him the other day, and now I'm going to probably meet him backstage. And even if I don't, I'm going to enjoy him in the audience, and I'm going to have a good time. But I was sitting down to read. So one of my favorite songs, one of my favorite lines from a song, that would be more accurate, is, uh, what's it all about? Alfie, is it just for the moments we live? What's it all about when you started out, Alfie? And then he has a great line, Bert Bacharach, and then he says, um, uh, Do we get what we give? Or is it, is it uh, basically... Um, is it kind to be cruel or cruel to be kind? Now, that's a different song. But anyway, uh, and, and this is what it is. And if <clears throat> only fools are kind, Alfie, then I guess it is wise to be cruel. And that is quite a statement, right? If only fools are kind, Alfie, I guess it is wise to be cruel. So I was reading a book tonight. Um, Melissa booked for me a guest that's coming on. I don't know when, but these uh, gentlemen teach a famous course at Yale. It's not the happiness course 
but it's a philosophy course about the meaning of life, which they call the question, capital Q. And so I'm starting to read their book about this course that they put together, and they start out, well, first of all, the book starts out with an extraordinary intro intro, and you find out that the publisher of the book is Maria Shriver, and that she is donating a chunk of money to publishing books that ask the big questions that cause people to leave their material selves and go into a spiritual realm to ask the questions about life. And I would love to ask her, she was on my radio show, so how were you rocked? How was your world rocked, Maria, when you found out that your husband was sleeping with the nanny in your house on your bed sheets while you were presumably working and raising your four kids together? Um, not only how did it make you feel, I'm sure we can all guess how it made you feel, betrayed and awful, but how did that rock your spiritual foundation? What did it make you think about in terms of about life that you hadn't really expected or thought about before? How did that change you, you as a human? That's the question I would ask her if she comes on our show. Of course, we'll ask her, but who knows if she will. I actually have a funny anecdote about Maria Shriver. You know, there are times in life where you remember snapshots. Bill was 30 years old, and we were celebrating his 30th birthday because I was making him a surprise party at the Rainbow Room, which was at the top of the NBC Rockefeller Center building and our favorite place to go. We used to go there whenever we could because we were like squares. We were like different people. Like Bill and I, we've always been in a different generation. And so whenever we could afford a little money put together, we would go dancing at the Rainbow Room and we would swirl around. Anyway, I thought what would be a better thing for Bill for his 30th birthday? He was born in 59, so 69, 89. And I assembled 10 of our nearest and dearest. My sister was there with her then husband, close friends, just a table of 10 of us. No parents, relatives, aunts, uncles, just our peers, our contemporaries around a table at the Rainbow Room as a surprise for Bill. And I got all dressed up. And this was 80s. And I wore a strapless puff dress. You remember these? It, and I weighed 129 pounds. I had a knockout figure. It's a long time ago. And it was a strapless dress, and it was one of these sateen satin things. And it was tight, tight, tight around the bust and tight around the waist. And then it popped out at from the waist to the hips, like with a little bubble, like a tiered bubble. And then it was above the knee. And it was really a rockin' pretty dress. And I had my hair done up. Anyway, I get in the elevator with Phil. And Maria Shriver is there. Now, I think at the time she worked at NBC. Must have. And she looked at me and she said, wow, who do we have here today that's so pretty? Something like that. Right in my eyes. It was such a nice compliment from Maria Shriver. And I, I told her we were going up for our 30th birthday. Of course, it's a moment in time. Why should she ever remember it? I love those. And I've had them with millions of people. And who knows if I would remember them. But anyway. That's my moment with Maria Shriver. You know, you always remember somebody famous if you're with them because they're famous. So it's, an, it's a moment for you. Anyway, Maria Shriver has started this publishing house. And she wants to publish these, you know, books, capital B of question, capital Q. And the book starts out with a story about a royal prince. And this royal prince had everything going on for him. He lived a luxurious, beautiful life. And he was just married, and his wife literally had given birth the day before. 
uh, and he was on his way to see his wife and baby. So goes the story. Maybe for the first time seeing his baby. And what had happened to him was several times in the preceding days, as he was alone, as his wife was giving birth, he had noticed homeless people in the park where he lived. He had noticed homeless, suffering people in the park where he lived. And he had his own epiphany. And he decided that he would never, in fact, go back to his wife and never meet his baby. But what he would do instead was become a monk and embark on a life of deprivation and ascetic kind of starvation. And ultimately, he figured out that the, and he wanted to end suffering. And so he decided at the end of many, many days, months of trying to figure this out, that suffering was caused by craving. And therefore, to relieve suffering, one had to detach oneself from the cravings of life. Now, if that sounds familiar to you, it may be because you understand Buddhism and you're a Buddhist, and that may say you, that may completely resonate with you. But I, when I'm reading this, do you know what I thought? I thought, that was one selfish guy. Uh, I won't use the bad word that crossed my mind. Here's a guy, he has the responsibility for the very first time of caring for himself in a way that was meaningful. Yes, he got married, but, you know, he was a prince getting married. He probably didn't think too much about the respect of women. But I'm sure that he thought about his life and his role and his duty as a father, and he didn't want to go there. He didn't want to go there. And I also thought it was very ironic that he left his wife and child to try and alleviate suffering for the world. And in the meantime, can you imagine the suffering he caused from those who were closest to him, who expected it most, who deserved it most? How does it feel in the world to be abandoned by a father that you never get to know? How does it feel in the world to be abandoned by a husband when you've just suffered through childbirth? And your husband is a prince and you expect a certain life after all you're married to a prince. But that was Siddhartha and that became the Buddha. And I thought it was an extraordinary way to start the book, which of course I'm just getting into. He talks about Siddhartha, the Buddha, the first Buddha. He talks about Simon who became Peter, the Christian who followed Christ, who left his life to follow Christ. And then according to lore, hung himself, hanged himself, or was crucified, allowed himself to be hung in that respect upside down, was crucified upside down because he felt that he had let down Jesus Christ while he was alive, and so he didn't feel he could die the same way. And then the third person they start with, they, oh, Ida Wells, Ida B. Wells, the courageous black American journalist who suffered herself quite a bit for trying to bring attention to lynchings in this country and better, better the quality of life for her race for black people in America. And so and then the book is getting going, and I haven't read the whole book yet by any means. But I'm thinking, I'm pondering as we're talking today. I'm just thinking how, how some people elevate someone else to greatness, right? So the story of the Buddha is a story of somebody who achieves some kind of philosophical greatness because 2,500 years later, people are still following his philosophy. But my mother and father would rip them to shreds. I grew up in a family. I grew up with a sensibility that would not have let the Buddha get away with being the Buddha. 
behind his back, the people of my family would have really given him a hard time because they would have called him a selfish cop-out, somebody who could just as easily go around. And also, and this is the other thing that occurs to me, so in my life, because and since I've become a probate judge, I have learned a lot about schizophrenia. And I've learned a lot about a lot of mental diseases because, because it's my role and responsibility to decide whether or not people ought to be committed against their will to psychiatric hospitals. And as part of that decision, I have to decide whether or not they're dangerous to themselves or others or what we call gravely disabled. And I take testimony from no less than three doctors every hearing. And I learn a lot and I probe a lot. I ask a lot of questions. So without having a diploma, I'm pretty much as close to a maven in a lot of these mental illnesses as you can get without having had a diploma. I can pretty much recognize it within one minute of speaking to someone. And I can tell you that this kind of fanaticism, this kind of asceticism, this kind of stripping down of all things and personal sacrifice and, and, and this kind of obsessive devotion to an idea also smacks up a little bit of mental illness. It's not normal behavior, right? It's not. It's atypical, abnormal behavior. Today, the Buddha might be locked up in a psych ward, right or wrong, not saying. Might have been forced meds, right or wrong, not saying. But that kind of behavior where you leave everything behind and you go on a quest we can either admire it, we can either disdain it, we can look at it for what it is, which is an atypicality in life. But those are my thoughts on the way to Jimmy Webb tonight. This is Lisa Wexler behind the wheel. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan, crusted chicken, or garlic, butter, shrimp, scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Thank you for listening. If you liked what you heard, please share it with your friends. And as always, feel free to contact me at lisa at lisawexler.com. 